0: It's really difficult to find great executives. Spirit Consulting helps organizations find all-star executives and hire the right one using work psychology so you can serve more customers and grow your business. To get a free quote, go to spiritmco.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Virtuous Heroes podcast. Excited to connect with you today, Gregor. Um, I just love the joy and uh, the happiness that you have going on. And I feel like ever since we got to connecting, I've just been like stealing some of that uh, joy bug from you. So excited to be able to dive in today, learn a little bit more about your own uh, story and journey. And, uh, you know, just always praying that it blesses our audience. So the first question is, Gregor, who are you? Well, first of all, Christopher, thank you so much for having me, for inviting me. And it's
1: likewise, I mean, your enthusiasm is contagious as well. So it's great to be with you. Um, so my name is Gregor Tusswaldner, and I'm the provost and executive vice president here at Whitworth University in Spokane, Washington. I was, as you can tell by my accent, I'm not, I am not. was not born in the States. I was born in Salzburg, Austria, uh, where the hills are still alive with the sound of music and music. Uh, I was born and raised there, and um, and then, you know, uh, met my wife who's American. We moved to the United
0: States, and I've been here ever since. Awesome, um, yeah. Most people, you know, see my brown complexion and would maybe think, you know, like Italian or Mexican, which I am, but I'm also 50% Austrian too. So, so that's exciting. My my mother's maiden name. Uh, uh, was yonder shits, and then they, they, oh. they, they. I think that they, um, you know, knowing the how that kind of plays out in the English language, they ended up shifting it to Jandersits. Um, so, so yes. yeah, yeah, that's so, interesting. That's interesting. Couple yes. Austrian brothers uh, hanging out on the podcast today. Very yeah. good, very good. I had no idea. <laughs> that's <laughs> wonderful. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, Gregor, can you tell us a little bit about uh, how you got into the leadership position that you're in today? Tell us about sure. your journey.
1: Sure. So it's been quite a journey, of course. You know, uh, when I was a 10-year-old kid, I would have never dreamed um, I would become a leader in academic affairs, a leader in high education in the United States. My dream was to become a journalist, and because um, I always loved reading books and um, going to cultural events and so forth. But um, so when I began to study, I, you know, things really changed. I saw these opportunities for me to spend a year in the United States and that's where I met my wife and um, I guess the rest is history. And uh, so I did my doctorate at UNC Chapel Hill, in Germanic languages, Uh, got my first job at Gordon College, uh, Christian college on the North shore of Boston and was a German and linguistics professor there. And there was a need uh, to become department chair. And so I moved into that role early on. And I was very green. And my Mm -hmm. colleagues were extremely gracious and supportive and helped me really become, um, uh, grow as a department leader. And then, you know, I had fallen in love with teaching. I love teaching. But then when I became department chair, I fell in love with administration and leadership, and I had no idea that I would have so much fun doing that. And then I was offered you know, several different opportunities to grow as a leader. I was offered to become the interim director of Gordon College's Center for Faith and Inquiry, and I did that, and then I uh, had an opportunity to create uh, what we call the Salzburg Institute of Gordon College, which later on became the Salzburg Institute of uh, Religion, Culture, and the Arts, a nonprofit organization that would take students uh, abroad, American undergraduates, to Salzburg to study culture and religion and the arts. And uh, and so I was the academic director of that enterprise while being a professor at, uh, at um, Gordon. And then I had another opportunity to become Dean of Arts and Sciences at North Park University in Chicago. And again, a tremendous opportunity for me to to learn, to grow as a leader, to work with many professors in uh, that biggest unit, academic unit at North Park University. And then um, I stayed in that role for four years. And Last year, I was offered the job of Provost and Executive Vice President here at Whitworth. So I was able to, to grow continuously and really take advantage of many opportunities that were given to me. That was one of the things that I I've learned along the way. If you're given an opportunity, say yes. <laughs> Sometimes you may regret it um, to a certain extent because there are only 24 hours in a day. Mm-hmm. But there's so much to learn. Always a great growth opportunity. And, um, and so, yeah. I feel extremely blessed. I was extremely blessed at North Park University in many different ways. North Park offers a a master's in higher education administration, among other things. And, you know, since I believe in lifelong learning, I took one class and I fell in love with teaching. I felt like a first year student all over again and decided I'm going to go for the master's degree. So I did an additional master's degree in higher education administration because I thought that. That's my passion, and I want to learn as much as I can. And, uh, and so, yeah, here I am at, at Whitworth uh, loving it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so two things. One, just thinking about uh, the Gospels and in the story of the Midas, that the good and faithful servant actually gets uh, promoted for greater responsibility as these given cities. And, and sometimes we think that the promotion is going to always be relating to more money. But oftentimes it ends up just being more responsibility. So as you oh, said, oh absolutely, yeah, like never turn down uh, certain opportunities that have been given to you. But then at the end of the day, you you as you grow, you have to be able to figure out how you can be more effective, and and have a better utilization of the staff that's around you to execute. Right. And absolutely. Gregor, I also love how humble you are because uh, based off of our conversation yesterday, you're a direct report into the president, correct, of Whitworth University. Right. And what's, uh, what's the scope and span of your uh, responsibility for direct and indirect reports? That's a great question. You know, when you ask students, and there's a funny YouTube video out
1: there where students at Princeton University are asked, I think it's Princeton or Yale, where students are asked, um, do you know where the provost is? And most students say, no, no idea. Do you know where his office is? And they're standing right in front of his office, right? No idea. <laughs> so... Everybody knows what a dean is. Everybody knows what what a department chair is. Nobody knows what a provost is. But a provost is the chief academic officer of a university. And so um, a provost oversees the entire academic operation. So in a way, a provost is the boss of deans, and the deans report to a provost. So in in the case of Whitworth University, all the deans uh, here report to me The uh, associate Provost reports to me, and I have several other reports um, in academic affairs of my staff, obviously, um, but also um, the accreditation uh, officer reports to me. So it's um, a lot of different people that are all connected to the academic enterprise at Whitworth that uh, report to me. And of course, the department chairs report to the deans and the faculty members report to the department chairs.
0: And you said it's like over 250 people, correct?
1: Yeah, something like that. I,
0: um, I'm i not 100% sure about the number, but it's somewhere around there, yeah. Awesome. So, Gregor, why would someone consider attending Whitworth University? Because it's a very special type of university. Our former
1: president would say, you know, his ambition was that Whitworth would become the best Christian university for Christians and the best Christian university for non-Christians. So it means we have a diverse student body that, um, of course, many of our students are Christians, but many are not. And uh, we want to create an environment that is inviting for all of our students. We don't want students to be claustrophobic on our campus, but to really uh, experience freedom on the one hand and faith on the other hand. Now, Whitworth is interesting because, you know, it is uh, affiliated with the Presbyterian Church, but at the same time, uh, we underscore the fact that we are ecumenical. We have, you know, Christians from um, all denominations, all churches on our campus. So we have many Catholic colleagues, Orthodox colleagues, and of course, the whole spectrum of Protestantism. And, and that's very, very rich. And I really um, like the, the model that we have for our education. We call it a heart and mind education. For us, it's not just important to strive for academic excellence. And don't get me wrong, academic excellence is, is a huge component here at Whitworth. And I'm extremely proud of my, my faculty for upholding a, a very impressive standard of academic excellence. And, US News and World Report, they continuously rank us as one of the best schools, that is regional universities in the West. But at the same time, character formation is a huge undertaking uh, of ours. That is, we want students to be shaped um, as children of God. We want, them, we want their faith to be impacted during their time at Whitworth. We want them to grow and not stifle them and so our professors are really interested in this project that we call faith integration they find ways think about their their academic fields and how their fields intersect with christian faith and so they teach you could say from a christian perspective which is really um highly interesting and it's it's really life-giving i think it's um sometimes we we think in terms of, you know, science versus faith, right? Sometimes we think that uh, what we do in the classroom has nothing to do with our faith, but we are really interested in providing a holistic education That uh, and we want our students to grow academically but also spiritually. And I think that's really, really unique. And the, our motto, our mission at Whitworth is... Um, to honor god follow christ and serve humanity and that is a mission uh, a phrase that is not just a phrase that is really what we believe in and it is so interesting you can ask pretty much anybody on our campus they all know our mission we are a very mission-centered institution that i think makes all the difference hmm.
0: so <clears throat> yeah i love that uh you know, the focus on on hearts and minds and, and striving to do character formation as well. So can you maybe give some of the secrets as to what does that character formation look like from a tangible standpoint?
1: That's a great question because, uh, you know, when we talk about character formation, to a certain extent, we talk about something that's not tangible, right? That's not measurable per se. You can't really, you know, have a scale and say, okay, this uh, person's character is better on this scale than this other person. But. Well, if there uh,
0: was Gregor, you would be like way up here and I'd be way down here. <laughs> so, I, I highly doubt that. I highly doubt that. But I think that uh,
1: certain ways how you can impact uh, a student's character that is, provide them opportunities in, but also, and probably especially outside the classroom to put their faith into practice. So. For example, we are recognized as uh, we have a Carnegie designation for school that takes uh, engaged learning very seriously. That is, community service, for example, is huge at Whitworth. That is, it's really this mindset of servant leadership that we are trying to instill in our students. That this notion that, you know, you are expected to give. You expect it to give back to the community, and our students get that. Our faculty get that. That this is um, something that we do. This is more or less second nature, and that's something that we need to focus on and grow. And that's how we see in our students how their characters grow, how they become more, how we all become more Christ-like in service to others. And that is, you know, serving our community here in. In Spokane, we have a growing um, population of immigrants. And now, you know, especially from Afghanistan. And so the question is, how can we help? And, And you will find that on our campus, this attitude of, you know, we want to help. We will find ways how we can make an impact. And that is something that's a mindset that, you know, we're trying to instill in our students. And I think that the proof is in the pudding when you, you know, I mean, uh, as you know, pride is not necessarily a Christian virtue, but I have to say I'm proud of our students of, of living out that mission. And that, you know, is contagious, I think. And that really affects other people on our campus, too, to see that, you know, students really care. We care. And that's what we do.
0: Have you been feeling unfulfilled? You want to be happy, but just continue to struggle. One of the best ways to experience joy is by caring for the homeless. A charity I've grown to love, River of Light, food rescues a million meals per year for the needy in Chicago. Imagine how that make you feel, knowing that you're helping feed children and veterans. To make a tax-deductible donation, visit riverlightchicago.org. Again, riverlightchicago.org. No one should go to bed hungry. Yeah. I mean, I you gotta be able to put faith into action, and faith without works is dead. So, uh, exactly. loving that as well, and I can, you know, give, you know, even in my own life, can think about, you know, just being involved in different ministries and how God stretched me in those assignments that I was given, and and you know, not knowing that at the time, just like you know, loving Jesus and wanting to be obedient to whatever call has been on your life, and then now realizing later. And, like how those specific opportunities had set me up with experience to be able to walk into that next level of promotion. And uh, so, so I think that's, that's very wise of you guys to be thinking about the way that you can do formation by being able to have people be giving back and creating opportunities for, you know, uh, community building in that way as well. I'm curious, Gregor, you know, you see... With lifestyle Christianity <clears throat> down in Texas, with Bethel Church uh, in Redding, California, with uh, with the Anointed Life based in Chicago, and Encounter School of Ministries, and I believe that uh, why can I um, uh, King Jesus is a uh, King Jesus Church down in Miami. So these are all schools of supernatural ministry that answer the call of of healing the sick. Cleansing lepers, casting out demons, and raising the dead. So, so basically, like um, equipping disciples to be moving in the spiritual gifts. Have what has there been discussions at all? And so this is just a trend that I see throughout the United States that's just continuing to grow. And so throughout, and so I just threw out there like all sorts of different denominations of Christianity, some Catholic, some Protestant, some non-denominational, et cetera. So it's not like Jesus has been like, okay, well, we're just gonna be moving like this in the Catholic church, but like, you're really like, you know, it, it doesn't really matter in the denomination when you start to walk in a lot of the the giftings. So just curious if Whitworth has uh, embraced that at all. And has there been any discussion about some of this trending that's been happening in the Christian faith across denominations?
1: You know, I'm not um, familiar with with those churches and and the specifics. However, what we can see on our campus is you know, a huge effort to move the needle when it comes to DEI initiatives, that is to really think about diversity, equity, and inclusion from a Christian point of view. And, and um, that is something that, that we're working on. We take very seriously that we want to grow as an institution. We want to become more diverse. We want to make sure that our diverse students feel really at home at Whitworth, that they feel that they belong. Um, It is interesting, you know, in this part of the country where we are, we are very white. And that is the city of Spokane is is quite white. Our student body is much more diverse, that is Whitworth is much more diverse than the city of Spokane. We have about uh, 30, 31% um, BIPOC students on our campus. Half of them are uh, first generation students. So, those are the challenges that we see that we want to, we're changing as a university from a predominantly white institution to a very diverse institution, which is fantastic. But we have to make sure that we give our students all the necessary tools to be successful and also to diversify our faculty because as we want our student body to become more diverse, they need to see role models in our faculty. And so we need to grow as faculty and as administration too to become more diverse. And, um, and so that is something that we, we see that there's a real need there. And, um, and so we are having many discussions and many discussions about how we can make an impact that all of our students feel welcome on our campus
0: yeah well no i i love that and i think you know uh the one corinthians uh verses 14 says follow the way of love and earnestly desire the spiritual but especially that you'd prophesy so meaning like if we don't have love we have nothing and so so i think that just falls in line with the um you know what you're saying of, of that that uh we have to be able to love other people into the kingdom. And, uh, and I think that's where oftentimes we as Christians can get, you know, skewed and go down wrong pathways when we become too judgmental or we think, Oh, well, you know, I've been able to be set free from various kind of dysfunctional ways. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, and then, you know, you know, rub your nose at people instead of being like, you know, you really should be able to see that as, as empathy of like, look, I was right there with them. You know, I am a sinner too. And, and uh, just being able to recognize them, you know, build that relationship and then bring them into uh, a more virtuous life. So loving that. And so Gregor, you know, when I kind of dive into the vices and uh, uh, virtues uh, segment of the discussion, Can you tell us a little bit about uh, certain vices that you had to overcome in order to be the leader that you are today? Sure. Well, that's that's one in particular I think that
1: um, at least stands out to me. People would, um, I guess, and I've heard that before, they would describe me as as patient. But I know that I've not always been very patient. (laughs) Um, You know, there's this interesting phenomenon called inquiry and advocacy. When it comes to engaging other people. And that is a lesson that I had to learn. And it all has to do with my impatience. And that is when I would, um, I think that happened, you know, when I was dean. Uh, I remember specifically, I had a meeting with chairs uh, of the College of Arts and Sciences at North Fork University. And I asked a question, and in my head, I already knew the answer, or I thought I knew the answer. And instead of hearing, people out waiting for their input um i basically told the group okay this is how i think we should what we should do this is the approach we should take and and it was a done deal for me at least but then i learned that you know people would come to me and say that they had some questions about this approach and why didn't we discuss that um and and so that you know an incident like that and a couple more told me that um, I need to really work on my impatience and it's the wrong thing to go into a meeting and to think that you already have the answers. So why even ask the question? Hmm. And so, you know, this concept of, of inquiry and advocacy is important. Of course, you know, if I have a certain opinion, I would advocate for it. Uh, But, What's important is that inquiry piece has to come first. So that means you have to, when you ask a question and you want input, you need to be really open for other people's feedback. You have to be able to listen, listen actively. And what I've discovered is that this tactic really helped me become a much better leader because, you know, when I, would go to a meeting thinking that I already know the answer to my question, <laughs> in that conversation with colleagues, I realized I had it all wrong, or at least there were important pieces missing in my assumptions. And and so this conversation, this inquiry piece, really had a tremendous impact on my advocacy, on, on the way I viewed a given topic. And so um, that is something that i learned. And I think because of that, I became a better leader. Um, I became a better listener. Sometimes people, you know, we know this phrase active listening. I've also heard the phrase aggressive listening. <laughs> and I think I like that because it is really, sometimes it's hard, but it's really important that you do that, right? You have to listen to people. You have to hear them out and you will learn. Um, I believe a a really good university has to be, or any organization, has to be a learning organization. There needs to be this mindset of, there's always more to learn. And that includes all the leaders and everybody in the organization. Nobody has figured everything out. And so the important lesson is really, we need to learn from each other. And even though this is sometimes hard, and it's time-consuming too, it is so worth it. And so I think that has made me a better leader, just to sit down, take a breath, and listen.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and I think, I hope, I've become more patient along the way. So that last part might have been the tip that you might respond with, but I'm just curious of uh, thinking about if you're pulling someone's heartstrings right now that's listening to this, realizing that they've just been lambasting their direct reports of you know, walking into meetings saying, okay, this is where we're going, this way it's gotta be, blah, 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 and let's go. Um, that, that What would you say to that person that's like, you know, recognizing that hmm, maybe I haven't been as, as inclusive or collaborative to the rest of, uh, to, to the people reporting to me, my peers, et cetera, and the way that I show up into meetings, what are some like specific steps that one could be taking to be more open to that? Like, what can you speak to that journey for yourself a little bit? Sure. And I
1: think it has to. It is closely connected with another virtue and that is curiosity. I think what we need to do is stay curious. Um, it's, it's very funny, you know, I, I grew up in the German-speaking world and we, of course, we had uh, Sesame Street too. And um, the song that they would play at the beginning of Sesame Street in Germany has the song that says, you have to ask questions. If you don't ask questions, you're going to remain dumb. <laughs> it's, it's pretty direct, right? It's a very direct culture. Yes, 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 absolutely. <laughs> but I think there's something to that, right? If you don't ask questions you're going to deprive yourself of important information. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the mindset has to be, you have to find out, you have to ask questions and those questions uh, will help you understand your direct reports or your colleagues much better. You, you really get a sense of where they're coming from. What are their needs? What are their wants? And you know, our life is is a life of negotiation. We have to negotiate all the time, right, with our spouses, with our kids, with our, our co-workers, and in order to do that, well, you have to really find out what are their needs. What is it? Not necessarily their position, but what are their their actual needs, and how can I help them um, fulfill their needs, meet their needs, and active listening, asking those questions those follow-up questions, and being sincere will you know make a huge difference. And, and then you will find out, and then you will see a different picture, I think. So be curious
0: and uh, never give up asking questions. So in the same way, can you maybe break down an example of where you, you've seen active listening or aggressive listening has really blessed you to be able to probe into and see something differently than you may have not seen the first time through?
1: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. So I came to Whitworth last year. That was my first year. And most of my meetings were via Zoom because of the pandemic. Um, but my goal was to really get to know people and to find out where we are and to find out more of from my direct reports about the history of uh, Whitworth University and how things um, have been going, and how they see the future. And, you know, I have to admit I received one of the biggest compliments of my life. Um, The faculty president said of me when he talked to other people about me, um, he not only listens, but he uses listening.
0: Hmm.
1: and <laughs> uh, to me that is um, yeah um, I, I blushed when I heard that <laughs> uh, but that's really that, that's my goal to make people really feel that they're being heard I may not always agree with their point of view but it's important for me to hear their point of view and often, more often than not it will impact my perspective, it will sharpen my perspective and it will help me in my decision making. And, and in this inquisitive, um, yeah, you know, having this inquisitive mindset, you know, you're trying or I'm trying to be very transparent and in my decision making. And and that has really helped me to to gain trust of the faculty because I take them seriously, I take their concerns very seriously. I may not be able to fix everything, but uh, I may be able to help um, fix things down the road, or at least I'm aware of certain areas that need attention. We may not be able to solve a problem right now, but I'm aware of them, and I recognize those problems, and I think that alone um, makes a big difference and builds trust. That um, you want to advocate, you want to to help as much as you can.
0: Awesome. Well, I love it. Well, thank you for for breaking that down at the uh, kind of how you see that that has. Just being a, an aggressive listener and how that has specifically blessed you, and being able to be more aware of your surroundings and the needs of people around you too, where you may not be able to solve every single challenge, but but that also gives you the opportunity to be able to kind of like see, be a connector in a certain sense too. So that as people talk about different needs that they have, then you have the ability to say, "Oh, you know what? That sounds like you solve a challenge for Jan over there," and then right. People together as well
1: yes yes I think that's important too, to recognize that I don't have to solve everybody's problem right but if I can be a matchmaker as you said you know I know that somebody else is working on a problem that is very similar so maybe that person could help right that's this famous story about the monkey the Harvard Business Review article from the 1970s um, The monkey that's sitting on somebody's shoulder, right? And you walk down the hallway. Here comes this person with a monkey sitting on their shoulder. And it's basically this person coming to you, telling you about their problem and making their problem your problem. And so what happens is that this monkey on this person's shoulder jumps and lands on your shoulder. So and that person walks off and says, okay, it's not my problem anymore. (laughs) Christopher, it's yours now. (laughs) And uh, as much as we want to help, we have to realize we cannot fix everything. We cannot um, solve everybody's problem. And I think that's a very liberating way of looking at things. Mm. Right. As much as we want to help, we also have to empower other people to solve their own
0: problems. Yeah, that one took me quite some time to be able to figure out. To be honest, I, I think me that, too. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of those uh, things that uh, actually precluded me from starting my own company, just hmm. feeling like I was responsible for other people's financial uh, issues. And and once I finally realized I had that awakening of like, look, this is their challenge. <laughs> Not mine. Right. You know, I, right. you know, that, that was very freeing and liberating. Yes. Yeah, awesome. I bet been there myself. <laughs> so, uh, Gregor, how can people get a hold of you or what your company is doing? Well, uh, they can certainly look me up on, uh, on
1: the web. Uh, so if they type in Provost Whitworth University, they will find me immediately um, for my first name, Gregor. Uh, only a few Gregors around, I think, in Spokane, Washington. <laughs> They'll immediately <laughs> find me. And uh, yeah, so I I should be easy to find on the web. And of course, they should check out Whitworth University because I believe that this is a very unique university. And, you know, it is, yes, it is um, affiliated with the Presbyterian Church, but it's also ecumenical and evangelical with a lowercase. So um, those are our three pillars. And it's a very unique place, um, I have to say. Having worked with other universities, this is a fantastic university.
0: Awesome. We'll we'll definitely share that into the show notes. And if you wouldn't mind, like to uh, close us off in prayer as well. Uh, so Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this opportunity to uh, have a meeting of minds and hearts today. Father, I just pray that you would um, you would bless our listeners with the same uh, graces that you've given to Gregor. That you would be able to set them free from their impatience by being able to recognize the opportunity to be a more patient and loving leader, to be able to walk into meetings with questions instead of answers. Uh, And Father, I also pray that the same curiosity and that bug of curiosity that you put in Gregor for him to pursue is, you know, do a double master's degrees and a PhD, Father, that you you would put that same hunger for learning onto anyone that's listening to this show that uh, you would inspire people to just be curious, to find that passion in life and run after it as aggressively as Gregor has pursued knowledge within the higher education space. Father, we love you with all of our hearts. We thank you so much for the opportunity to be together today, and we pray all this through the mighty name of your beloved son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for watching us on the Virtuous Heroes Podcast, where we inspire virtuous leadership. Have an incredibly blessed day, Gregor. Thank you. You too. And thank you so much again for having me. Hey, Chris here. Hope you enjoyed the episode where we discussed all things going bald, (laughs) just joking. If you enjoyed the episode and the podcast, will you please subscribe on YouTube or Apple podcasts or Spotify? Or you could also share it with a friend. That would be tubular. I hope you have an awesome day.